Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, and we are going to begin in verse 38. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 38. And uh, we're going to take this Old Testament story and bring it to life today. And I know that you are going to walk out of here better than you came in. Isn't that the goal? And so our heart is positioning us in moments like this, uh, whether to receive or not. And so we want to have a, a heart of receptivity to it. Second uh, Kings chapter 4, verse 38. Elisha now returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. One day, as the group of prophets were seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and came back with a pocket full of wild gourds. He shredded them and put them into the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Some of the stew was served to the men, but after they had eaten a bite or two, they cried out, man of God, there's poison in this stew, so they would not eat it. Elisha said, bring me some flour. Then he threw it into the pot and said, now it's all right, go ahead and eat. And then it did not harm them. Interesting story, isn't it? And I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, poison in the stew. Poison in the stew. Father, thank you so much for the moments we have shared, the power of the Holy Spirit that is in this room, moving, flowing, breathing. And today, God, we just ask that you would change us, help us, push us forward. God, if there's areas in our life, reveal that so they can be healed, God. There's areas and strongholds that can be broken down so we can find freedom and hope that can only be found in you. So, Father, today, do it. Holy Spirit, move. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone said amen. Someone said my mind is open. My heart is ready. I receive it. I believe it. Do it, Jesus. Anybody ever had food poisoning? Good Sunday morning to you. All right. Not a fun time. Not a fun time. If you've had food poisoning, you understand that it is violent. And I'm not talking about just a tummy ache. I'm talking about, like, we may need to go to the hospital right now. Um, moments where I have been so sick, I have prayed God take me, and then I've been afraid he wouldn't. You been there? Yeah. Um, and I have realized that life, life's a stew. What you put in it is what you're going to get out of it. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor, two neighbors, two neighbors. We, just, we don't want to single anybody out. Just two neighbors and just ask them, what's in your stew? What's in your stew? <laughs> What's in your stew? It's that, it's that time of year where we're making stews and chilies. And come on, didn't, I mean, that chili cook-off was amazing on uh, Friday night. So, wow. There was no poison in those. Just <laughs> FYI. Everybody's good. Life's, life's a stew. What you put in it, you get out of it. What I find peculiar about the story that we find here in the Old Testament in 2 Kings is this very fact that 
there was a young man who listened to the prophet Elisha and did exactly what Elisha said. And Elisha said, go make some stew, go get some things. And this young man goes out into the field and he finds some gourds and he picks the gourds and some herbs and he brings them back and he shreds it, he puts it in the pot and serves it without realizing that what he was serving was poisonous to the people that he was giving it to. It was unintentional. Um, I, I don't believe that the young man went out and looked for poisonous gourds to poison the prophets. It's not the illusion that we get here. It was a mistake. It was an accident. And what I was, what I was unpacking and what I feel like the Lord revealed to me when I was working and studying on this uh, was the very fact that this young man probably went out and found the same gourds in the same area that he had probably found them before. He didn't just go to some random wooded area or some uh, neighbor's pumpkin patch to find these things. What he was looking for in an area that had already produced harvests in the past. And he went to that area, got the gourds, and he brings them back. And unintentionally, he is poisoning the individuals that are around him and as I was working through this and unpacking this, we can focus a lot on the gourds that can be poisonous, but the gourds had to start somewhere. Somewhere. There was a seed that was planted in some kind of soil, and I would say today that the seed and the soil matter. And the seed and the soil in your life Matters. Jesus gives us illustrations repeatedly around agriculture, and the Bible is filled with agricultural uh, revelations and stories that show us that the seed and the soil matter. In fact, Jesus gives the parable that, that a sower went out and sowed seed, and some fell on the rocky ground, and some fell on hard ground, and some fell on fertile ground. And it wasn't necessarily the problem with the seed as much as it was the problem with the soil. It was the soil that made the difference. So may I just present an idea today that maybe the gourds grew from toxic soil. And caused the gourds, they looked the same as other gourds. They seemed to be the same as it had been in the past. And this young man did what he had always done. But this time it was different because he plucked gourds from an area that was toxic, that was poisonous. And I think that there are times that we want to present things in our life because to the Lord because that's what we do. But... We do it through manipulation. We want to manipulate God into blessing us. We want to manipulate people around us into thinking we're someone we're not and, or manipulate our way into relationships. And what I've learned is that God never blesses a bag of tricks. God never blesses trick seed. You're not going to suddenly plant a seed and a giant beanstalk is going to grow out, right? It's, it's, this is not how this works. There is a process and a, a routine that God has. And, and so let's, let's, let's boil this down in Scripture. The gifts of the Spirit are given by God 
the fruit of the Spirit are grown in our life. The gifts of the Spirit is the power of God. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ developed in the life of a believer. And so, if we, if we want to look at this, Jesus said this, you're going to be known by your fruits, not your giftings. You're going to be known by what is grown, what is produced in your life. And so, Christ-likeness is the measuring stick, not your gifting. Because I have known gifted people to have toxic gourds. I've known... Gifted people to have toxicity in their life and poison gourds growing. And so this morning we need the gifts of the Spirit along with the fruit of the Spirit because the gifts are given and the fruit is grown. So we're going to do a soil check to see what kind of gourds are growing. From the very beginning of time, uh, we had two people, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had two kids, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were given the responsibility to make sacrifices to the Lord. And God's requirement for sacrifice was that there would be a spotless lamb that would be sacrificed for their sins. Cain gets a different idea because Cain is a gardener. He produces uh, crops and harvests them. And so his idea was, I'm going to offer the fruit, the, the, the produce of my hard labor as a sacrifice to God, and God was not pleased because that's not what God said. Cain's thought was, I gave my first, this is what you asked, but that's really not what God asked. And so Cain looks distraught, he looks downcast, and God says, Cain, what is wrong? What is weighing on your heart? What is happening? And, and, uh, and, and if you're not careful... If you're not careful, if you don't offer what is good, what I've asked you to, then sin lies at the door. Skip ahead in the story and Cain gets jealous and irritated with his brother Abel and goes out, calls Abel into a field and kills Abel. God comes back to Cain and says, what have you done? Where's your brother? And Cain's response was, am I my brother's keeper? And God says the blood from your brother is yelling, it's shouting, it's screaming from the earth. And now you have a curse and the ground in which you cultivate is now cursed. It's toxic because of what you have done. You have sowed, you have harbored an attitude of murder. And his murder was because of his heaviness that he never got taken care of. The distraught, the downcast, the feeling of anxiety, the weightiness caused him then to lash out and kill his brother who really had nothing against Cain, had nothing, really he was just being obedient to the Lord, but jealousy. And what is Cain's response to God? This punishment you have given me is too much for me to bear. Anywhere I go, people will kill me. Funny. Because Cain is the only murderer on earth at this time. Anybody catch that? Like, he is suddenly projecting who he is on other people. He is now saying other people are murderers. 
Other people are going to kill me. And the reality is, is he's the only one that we have found so far in Scripture to this time that has ever murdered anyone. Could it be that there are times where we project onto our relationships, onto others, what really is going on inside of us? It's interesting to me that people that believe that other people are always lying are typically liars. People that are always believing people are stealing from them, defrauding them, someone's out to get me, are always the one who are probably defrauding, stealing, and out to get other people. All the people that feel like everyone's always against me and, and, and no one's on my side are probably the ones who have betrayed others. Does, does this make sense to anyone this morning? There's always this projection because what it is, is it is showing the fruit of what you have harvested. Somewhere in the soil of your heart, there was a seed that got planted that somewhere became toxic. It was a relationship gone bad. It was a friendship that crumbled. It was decisions that you made uh, sporadically and quickly, and now you're paying the price for it. And you're like, God, it's, uh, it's too much, and people are against me, and they're going to kill me, and they're going to look at me, they're going to judge me. And we project what we are on others. And so you have to be very careful what you turn to to satisfy you. You have to be very careful of what soil you plant the seed in because life's a stew and what you put in it, you're going to get out of it. And God, in Proverbs, lets Solomon know there's some things I hate. There's some things that get planted and there's some things that grow there's some things that get produced. There's some harvest in, 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 in people. But it starts somewhere. Like this, this gourd right here, I mean, I picked the most gnarly looking, mold ridden. Have you seen these things? Who wants to eat that? Anybody know, can I eat this? No. Okay. No heads. All right. I will not do this. All right. Um, it, it, it starts somewhere. Like this doesn't start like this. It's planted in a seed in the ground, in the soil. And God's like, there's some things that I absolutely hate. In Proverbs uh, 6 and 16, he says, I hate haughty eyes. You, have you noticed that like haughty eyes don't just happen? Your baby that you have does not have haughty eyes. If they do, uh, we have special prayer on Wednesdays for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, I hate a lying tongue. If, if God says he hates things, I would stay away from those things. He says, hands that kill the innocent. Does that sound like anything we've seen on the news lately? He said, the hearts that plot evil. He said, I hate feet that race to do wrong. He hates a false witness. Then he says at the very end of the seventh thing, people that sow discord in families. God hates when we sow seeds of discord in families because what happens is it breeds toxic soil that produces poisonous gourds. 
because the seeds are going to produce a harvest. It's going to happen. And whatever you put in the ground will come back out. And so this stew that this, this young man makes and, and, and crafts and shreds the gourds into, he thinks that the gourds he is using are accurate, are correct, are good, and yet they're poisonous. So it would lead me to believe that the gourds he saw were probably the same gourds he's used, yet these are poisonous instead of healthy. And so I want to show you five, five's been our number this year, five poisonous gourds that are also good gourds. Five poisonous gourds that can also be good gourds. And number one is this, the first gourd is your words. Your words. Your words, you, you, you take the words that you're using and when you speak these things and you use these words, it may be the same words that you've used before, but yet this time there's something different about how you say it. How many knows your words matter? Your words, the Bible says, can produce what? Life and death. A good gourd or a poisonous gourd. Your words have the power to do both. And you're never going to manipulate God by using your toxic words against Him. God doesn't bless the bag of tricks that you're trying to use. In fact, uh, Mary had sent me a, a, a reel uh, on, on Instagram from a, a Hebrew professor. And uh, I, I dove into it because not everything you see online is real. I mean, Benjamin Franklin didn't say half the things that you saw he said. Uh, and so I, I did some diving into uh, what she had sent me about this Hebrew uh, scholar. And he's talking about this connection between what, what a word means in the Hebrew. And the word debar in the Hebrew has the same, the same definition as a thing. Word and thing in the Hebrew mean the same thing. In fact, they used it because they had no separation that what you said became a reality. They believe that your words matter so much. In fact, that's why they began to lose the definition and the name of God in their translations because they did not want to use his name incorrectly. This led me in that professor's talk to then also study out what he said is that the word abracadabra actually came from the Talmud, which was a Hebrew and Aramaic word that they combined. This was not Houdini who made this up. This was a Hebrew and Aramaic word that meant this. I will create as I speak. Your words have the power to create as you speak. When you speak, I am nothing. I am garbage. My life sucks. This is the, you are creating a reality to live in. Your words are creating a stew and you're wondering why you're living in a toxic life because of the very words that you've been speaking. You've been putting the words into the pot and you're wondering why you're living in a reality that you never thought you would live in. 
Maybe you need to go back to the source and realize I allowed some words to grow in some toxic soil. I need to stop declaring over my life what Satan says I am and start declaring over my life what God says I am. My words create my worlds. I want to help someone this morning. When you start praying and you start asking God, why don't we begin the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is the kingdom that we're speaking of this morning. When we use our words, we're glorifying God. And when we glorify God, it exalts his creation. God never called you worthless. God never called you broke. God never called you a piece of trash. God never called you an outcast. God never said that you were undone. God never said you were sick. God never said that you were done and over and, and life was through. God never said that. But God said you're the firstborn of a creation. You have a reality that you can exist in when you speak your words correctly. We are joint heirs with Christ. I believe it offends God when we talk negatively about ourselves. And we're wondering why we're eating toxic stew. But we're putting the words in there. Your words can either produce a poisonous stew or a stew that will feed your life. Whatever you put in it, you will get out of it. The next gourd, this is rough. Look at that thing. This does not end up on veggie tails. <laughs> the next thing that we can either use toxic, poisonous, or to produce life is our tears. Our tears. Someone say your tears. Your tears. Not an area that we talk a lot about. Because for us, tears can be a bad thing. Some of us have cried some tears. Some of us have been manipulated by others' tears. Anybody know anybody that you're around that can cry on command? You're like, whoa. Don't try to manipulate God with your tears. Tears are valuable to God. So valuable that Revelation reminds us that he actually bottles our tears and stores them for later. Your tears are important. Your tears can produce these, these moments of, of toxicity to manipulate the situation. And your tears can, can cause you to try to get your way in certain realms, in certain areas. And, and your tears can actually produce the toxicity in the life that you didn't really want. But your tears can also be a good thing. In fact, David said it in Psalms 126 and 5. He says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. This ability to to Plant the seed with your tears. See, your tears plant seeds. Your tears plant seeds. 
Am I in the lowest point of my life or am I in the place that I'm like, I'm crying because I can't make it, I can't do it because your tears are going to lead you down one path or the other. It's either going to lead you away from God or it's going to lead you to God. Remember, your tears plant seeds. Can I tell a child of God today, it is absolutely okay to cry. And some of us need to have a good cry session. David cried. Men, it's all right. But don't allow your tears to be manipulating the soil. Allow your tears to plant the goodness of God. Allow them to produce you and help you to go into the next season. There are moments that we're going to have to cry. David repeatedly said, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me. There's moments where your tears plant seeds and produce a harvest. Your tears, good or bad, are going to produce the stew coupled with your words. The third gourd that we're going to talk about today that can be good or bad is your thoughts. Your thoughts. Anybody, anybody ever have some runaway thoughts? Anybody allow those thoughts to carry you to the next train station and then off the cliff and then you get taken over by bandits and you're wondering how in the world did I get here entrapped by my thoughts? Your thoughts are powerful. Your thoughts can either bind you or you can bind the thought. Correct? This is, this is biblical today. Paul even writes to the church in Corinth and said, hey, you have the power to bind those thoughts before the thoughts ever bind you. Have you ever been captivated by your thoughts? If you're like me, you're a classic overthinker. Do I have an overthinker in the house that would say, yeah, that's me? And the overthinkers sometimes don't even raise their hand because they're like, if he calls on me, I don't have an answer. And what if I have an answer? We can overthink ourselves into a reality that does not exist. We can start thinking ourselves into realms that do not exist. Many times we fret over things that absolutely have not happened because we have made a, an imaginary world in my mind because we have assumed one thing or another. Has anyone ever assumed anything about you and you heard the rumor and you're like, what? Where did that come from? There was a seed that got planted in some toxic soil and produced a nasty gourd. Because someone's thought became their words and their words created a false reality. And we're wondering why we're living and eating from the stew of toxicity and poison, wondering why we are sick in our soul, sick in our marriage, sick in our finances, sick on the job, sick, sick with, with our kids. We're sick and we're wondering because we're eating from stew that has been poisoned. Your thoughts can either bind you or you can bind them. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. The reality is this morning is that as you think, you become. 
and you produce those gourds. So what are you thinking about today? Child of God, what is your thought pattern? How is your thoughts uh, progressing? Have you ever got on a, a, a thought and then it became a reality? Good or bad? It starts with the seed of a thought that then produces a healthy gourd or a toxic gourd. The problem that I see with this story is that the young man unintentionally served people around him the thing that he had harvested himself. Could it be that we end up serving people around us through the toxicity that's within inside of us? Because we have allowed the toxic gourds to grow instead of the good things. Your thoughts can make a difference. I would challenge you this week, when that thought comes into your mind that you are nothing, that you should end it all, that there is no hope, that you just need to walk away, that you need to give up, that you can't make it anymore, that this is too hard, that you're in this battle too long, that, that the fight is too great, that the punishment is too much, that, that the spouse is it's just not enough and the kids are just causing you chaos and you're not making enough money. Can I challenge you by the word of God today to bind that thought in the name of Jesus and move forward with a Christ-like thought that produces a better harvest than the one that you've been producing. Can I just challenge you today to bind that thought in the name of Jesus and say, that's not from God. His ways are above my ways, and His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. It's time to start elevating our thoughts to a God level. And we add it to the stew. Our words, our tears, our thoughts, our talents your talents. It's a good gourd. It's a bad gourd. It's, a, it's an interesting gourd. <laughs> it's kind of rotten here, but okay here. It's like one of those pieces of bread that's moldy on one side and you cut it and they eat the other. Don't you tell me you haven't done that. <laughs> Jesus taught a parable. Gave one talent to one guy. Five to another, ten to another, hundred to another. Said, go do with this. The first guy, one talent guy, goes and he buries the talent. Master comes back. Hey, what'd you do with the talent? Man, I, I buried it. You did what? I, bur I buried it. Why, why'd you bury it? Because I knew you were a hard man. And if I lost it, you would be upset with me. So I buried it, and I'm giving you back what you gave me. Goes to the next guy, and the next guy's like, I invested it. Here's twofold. That's it. Next guy, tenfold. And it begins to grow and grow and grow. They invested it, but the guy who buried it projected on the master what he believed more about himself than who the master was. Notice this, no one else believed the master was a hard man. Only the one who buried it. And there are times that we will bury our talent instead of planting our talent. We will hide it, we'll suffocate it, we'll push it down. Because all I want to do is give God back what he gave me. When in reality your talent... Your gift mix 
should be invested into the kingdom that produces tenfold every time. If you bury your talent, it will come back, but it'll be worth the same. Or you can plant your talent in soil and it will grow and produce a harvest. Am I preaching to someone this morning? You are needed in the kingdom of God. Your gift mix, your talent, and your ability, God wants to use for the kingdom. Do not listen to that voice that says you are not needed, you are not gifted, your gift mix is gone, it's done, it's in that season that is just buried away. And if we aren't careful, we will listen to it and we will take shovel to the hole and just bury what God has given us. And when he returns and when he asks what you did with it, all you'll say is, I did exactly with it what you gave me and he's like that's not what i was looking for i'm looking for the investment i'm looking for the investment that you put in to it god has given you these things so that you can grow the kingdom and what happens is this is that conformity is the quickest path to mediocrity average never changed the world and Jesus' commission to disciples was never to be average. It was to go into all the world preaching, teaching, baptizing, changing, turning upside down, being light in dark places, being salt to places that don't have any flavor. Jesus' mission for you and I was never to bury our talent in the earth, but it was always to plant it in the soil so it would produce a harvest. Your talent needs to start being planted, not buried. Not buried. Take your talent. Put it in stew. And the fifth one today is this, your relationships. Someone say your relationships. Oh, they come in all shapes and sizes. Relationships are funny. People from the beginning of time have tried to define relationships in fact, I believe it was Aristotle who said relationships are like this. It's, it's one soul possessing two bodies. Eh, maybe not. <laughs> uh, friendships, friendships are funny. Have you ever had friends that you thought would be a li lifetime and you're looking back today and you're like, where are they? Because sometimes friendships don't last forever. And what I've learned is there's three, three types of people that come into your life. Some that are for moments, some that are for seasons, and some are for the lifetime. And the more you get down that line, the more narrow that becomes. But your friendships are going to make you or break you. And what you put into the stew of relationships is what you're going to get out of it. And your relationships matter. They're either going to take you towards God or they're going to take you from God. There's really no in-between. It's either going to get you to follow Christ with everything that you have or it's going to get you to be involved in things, believing things, doing things that are not part of his plan. Science and psychology says that we are not just the, five, the sum of our five closest friends, but we are the sum of their five closest friends. Why? Because what is in their stew feeds them and you. Know your friends' friends. 
know what stew they're eating out of. Because if you're not careful, there may be some shredding of the gourd that's toxic into your stew. My hope today is that this word would free some of us to realize that there are some things that we go to the garden of our life and we look at and relationships seems like a good idea, but they could also be bad. We're picking the same gourd, but we need to do a soil test to figure out, is this poisonous or is this not? Child of God, may I free some of you. Some of you have had relationships that are wearing on your life. It is absolutely okay to put a boundary in your relationships. If it's costing your salvation and your family and it's costing some things, put a boundary there. But also find yourself good friends that will motivate and encourage and surround yourself with people that will build you up and not tear you down. That will speak life into you and not death. That will give you words in the moments of discouragement. Get around people that will serve God with you. That when you're down, they help pick you up. When you're out, they help bring you in. When you are lost, they help find you. Find people that you can surround yourself with. And be open to relationships that want to help see you succeed. That's what the church is about. So you can plant it or you can bury it. The choice is yours. Both are going to come back out. Galatians 6, and I close on this. Galatians 6 says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own spiritual, sinful nature will harvest decay. Poison. And death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not. Someone just look at your neighbor and say, let's not. Let's not. Have you ever had to do that with your kid? They're acting up and you're like, let's not. Not right now. Paul is having that moment with, with the church in Galatia. And he's like, let's not. Let's not right now. Let's not. Get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. We can put our hands together for that. That's... bury it or you can plant it. What I've realized about the church is this. The church is never created to be a graveyard. The church was always designed to be a garden. What's the difference? You bury dead things and you plant living things. The church was never meant to be a graveyard. Jesus himself did not stay in a grave. There are things that need to stay in the grave. Your sinful nature, some of your past, some of these talk things, they need to stay out. But the church was meant to be a garden filled with new life, new hope, new dreams, 
new desires, new ambitions, new vision, new future. The church was designed to be a garden where you can plant and get rooted and grow and prosper and thrive. Never was it meant to be a graveyard where you bury your words and you bury your tears and you bury your thoughts and you bury your relationships and you bury it all. That's not what the church was meant. It was meant for you to be able to plant good relationships here. It was meant for you to be able to plant good thoughts. And it was meant for you to plant good words. And it was meant for you to plant good tears. It was meant for you to plant, not bury. It was meant for you to plant your talent, not bury. And some of us need to go back to the graveyard of our life today. Because we've been producing poisonous stew realize I'm getting out of life what I've been putting into it and we need to go back and say I'm not using this as a graveyard anymore today this becomes a garden because I've got something to do I've got something to build and I've got someone to become Got, I've got things to get accomplished. I don't want poison in the stew. The beautiful aspect of this story comes towards the very end. And Elisha takes some flour and throws it in the stew. Do I have any cooks, chefs in the house that realize you know what flour does to the stew? It neutralizes and it thickens. And some of us have been so spongy, wishy-washy, so caught up in, in this fluidity of life and tossed to and from. We need some flour thrown in to our life to thicken up where we are. This points directly to who Christ is. Anyone know what he was revealed as? The bread. And bread comes from flour. And you and I, the only way that we're going to solve the toxic, poisonous stew that we've created is to start throwing some Christ into our words. Start throwing some Christ into our thoughts. Start throwing some Christ into our tears. Start throwing Christ into our talents. Start throwing Christ into our relationships. And the moment that you add Him to the pot and to the equation, your stew becomes healthy and life and food to your soul. Suddenly you are fed, not from poison, but from life. And He wants to give you that source today. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but the thing that has been bad can instantaneously be made good in this moment. Some of us, we've lived with years of words and years of thoughts and years of tears and years of talent and years of things that we've buried. And God's like, no, today, today is the day we're throwing some flour in the stew and we're solving the problem. And you can walk out of here in a garden, not in a graveyard. And some of us walked in here dead, 
We're tired. We're exhausted. We're worn out. We're under the shadow and cloud of depression and discouragement. We're distraught like Cain and we're downcast like him. And and we're worried and we're anxious. And God's like, today, I want to fill you with some flour and put some things back in your stew that will make this thing feed you over and over and over and over again. This is not your final story. Christ is your final story. Depression is not your final story. Hope is your final story. So today, will you stand with me all over this room? I want to pray five things over you to add a little neutralizer and a little stability. I want to thicken the stew this morning with five prayers. Five gourds, five prayers. Would you put your hand over your heart? would you just let this word seep in as I pray I pray today that your family will be closer in Jesus name I pray to the family units that are struggling this morning that are going through seasons of discouragement maybe it's financial maybe it's emotional but by the power of the name of Jesus I pray that the family unit would become closer. Marriages would be healed. Homes would be restored. I pray for our families because, Father, we know that strong churches are built by strong families. And so today, I pray for there to be a closeness. Spouses, I'm praying for a deeper intimacy. For with kids, I pray for a deeper connection and openness and transparency for the financial situations that they're going through. I pray for hope and prosperity to come to their home. For those in the house that deal with crippling anxiety in your home, how are we going to raise our kids in the world we live in? What's, What's next? I pray the peace of God that passes all understanding to neutralize your mind today that when you add Christ to the stew of your family, you will become closer in Jesus' name. I pray now that your leadership will be sharper. Because, Father, we know today that every one of us is a leader because we are always influencing. So may our stew not be poisonous to those that we lead around us, but may it be thickened by the power of Christ today. Father, this morning, may there be sharper leadership, eyes to see, to lead in areas. God, I pray that there would be light that would radiate from us as we lead into dark situations. God, as we lead our families, as we lead our jobs, as we lead our friends, as we lead our kids, as we lead our our careers. God, will you allow our leadership to be sharper? Father, I pray now that your, their finances would be stronger. God, today, that, that element we give to you. We give it to you because that's what you've asked. And we know there's a double blessing on it. So, Father, this morning, I pray that their finances would be stronger. Those that are struggling right now with a lack, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want it today. I pray that your finances would be stronger. I pray now that your faith would be deeper 
in Jesus' name. That you would have a deep faith that plants deep roots in a garden. That you would produce a harvest of faith and hope. That your faith would increase in moments of darkness and discouragement. That that faith would increase by the power of the name of Jesus. And I pray now that your heart would be larger in Jesus' name. That you would expand our capacity. That you would grow our heart to love. Or grow our heart to serve. Grow our heart to give. Grow our heart to become the thing you have called us to become. And Father, I pray these five things. Neutralize the stew. Make it good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.